Hey, this is Roxy Petrucci from Dixon and Madam X, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. And that's exactly where I love to focus, on metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you back for another week of Focus on Metal. And uh, this week, as you probably figured out from the uh, intro to the show, we have on Roxy Petrucci from Vixen. That's right. Uh, Richie had a long talk with Roxy a few weeks ago, all about the brand new Vixen Live Fire album that uh, Rat Pack put out. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of your own, you can always head up to Rat Pack Records. they got all kinds of good bundles up there if you want to do the old CD, T-shirt, guitar picks, whatever else you might want to do. Or even if you just want the uh, the vinyl or the CD, just as I said, head up to a Rat Pack Records. I think it's also available on Amazon. But uh, for me, whenever Rat Pack comes out with something, I get it right from uh, from Joe and the folks at Rat Pack. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, Roxy, started uh, way back in the early 80s with the band Madam X. Put out uh, one album in uh, 84. And then just last year, they put out a brand new one called Monstrosity. And I believe we played a track of that as one of our tracks of the week back uh, several months ago. But also, she left that band to join Vixen. And uh, she was uh, in Vixen for uh, both for the self-titled album, Rev It Up, Tangerine, and of course, now the new one, Live Fire. And also, she's worked with her sister, Maxine, not only with uh, with Madame X, but also in Titania. And besides currently uh, playing drums in Vixen, she's also working with uh, Lorraine Lewis in a band called Rocktopus. So as I said, Richie had a pretty expansive talk with Roxy, talking all about the uh, the brand new Live Fire album and what that brought that about and what's going to be going on as far as new music from Vixen in the future. But he also delved into uh, a lot of stuff with the original albums, both Vixen and with Rev It Up. Roxy had plenty of great stories about that. With that, why don't we play a little bit off of Live Fire and go right into Richie's talk with Roxy Petrucci of Vixen. It's in the clouds when it's above me 
Is that Roxy? Yes, this is Richie. It is indeed. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm not too bad. So we're, you're in yeah. Michigan, I believe, is it? Yeah. Where are you? I'm just outside of Boston. Okay. What kind of accent am I detecting here? Irish. Ah, wow. Well, we landed in Ireland before we went to Barcelona last week. <laughs> or was it a week and a half ago? Yeah. Uh, I was going to talk to you about that show. You, you went all the way to Barcelona for one show. Yeah. That's, that's dedication, huh? Yeah. I, I, the bill was incredible. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even had to, like, buy a T-shirt. I wanted it so bad. Okay. Like, it's not like a, it's not like back in the day when they used to uh, give the bands all the T-shirts. Now it's like, you got you want one, you're going to buy one like everybody else, which is fine. It's yeah. well worth it. That was quite a lineup. Yeah, did, were you there for the, the Friday or the Sunday as well, or, or were you just there for the Saturday? No, we were just there one day, yeah. But um, it was cool. I got to see a little of Laguna Coil, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just the lineup was, you know, it, 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 just incredible. Yeah, I think Halloween headlined, I think, the night you were on. Uh, Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I missed them. I didn't get, get a chance to see them. It's just kind of like we played, we did interviews. It's just it was pretty much a whirlwind okay. kind of day. Yeah, I think. Um, but I, you know, we played with Accept and and some of these bands we played with at Grass Pop. So I did get to see Accept there, which was just mind blowing. They're so good. I loved Accept. Yeah, yeah. And to see them live, you know, and I, it, their singer is great. Well, Mark, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he sounds, you know, he's, he he does a great job. I love Udo, and I love, but Mark did a great job. Yeah, he he just turned sixty five. Well, sixty five is a new uh, sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, really, nowadays sixty five. I you know, for let's say forty five fifty. Yeah. You know, rock and roll. I think keeps you young. Yeah. Is that the furthest you've gone to play one show? Pardon me? Is that the furthest you've gone to play one show? I would have to say yes. Okay. We've never never flown in just to do one show. Um, but hey, man, it was all all for rock and roll. It's okay because once you're there, I mean, as tired as we were, it doesn't really matter because you just once you get on stage, your adrenaline takes over, and you, you know you just feel you see those thousands of people out there, and you just give them all you got. We felt it afterwards. <laughs> In fact, I'm still feeling it right now. How long? Is, just how long is that? Chilling and recharging. Yeah. Oh, uh, an hour. We played about an hour. Oh, they gave you an hour. That's good. yeah. You were, I think you were like third on the bill or something. You were pretty high. Yeah. Up. Yeah. We 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 had a we had a decent slot. Um, the crowd was just. It was it was great because you know there are a lot of pretty heavy bands and victim were hard rock, so. To have that sort of mix was kind of interesting, um, but you know that goes over great. Apparently in Europe, you can mix it all up, and there it's probably a nice break. Yeah. You know, you're banging your head for a few hours, and then you get some pretty good melodic rock, which is what we are, and you know we're heavier live. Uh-huh. And uh, they just sang sang along. They sang along with almost all our songs, and it's just the reception was fantastic. Yeah, I think. The, the Europeans, when they do festivals, they, they've always done them really, really well. Oh, yeah. They're well run. They're just 
jam-packed and the they appreciate what you do they appreciate the music they appreciate you as an artist um and they make a point of telling you after the show and you know a lot of them bring gifts <laughs> and, uh it's just it's it's great it really is great it's fun uh we love going over there we're we're, we're going to be going back in november october november okay yeah I think we're doing Nottingham. We're going to be doing Germany, and uh, they're adding a couple more dates too. This time we're going over there for a few dates, not just one. Oh, nice, nice. You get you get yeah, to yeah. you get to see the sights. Are you someone who likes to get out and and walk around and and see the sights when you're there? Oh yeah, yeah. We did. In fact, we did it in Barcelona. Yeah, beautiful city. Oh my God, yeah. I could I could live there. <laughs> we were right across from the beach. I had a few drinks. Walked around, checked out the ocean, and just Britt actually stayed an extra day, so okay. she got to check out the city, which was smart. If I, if I should have thought of that earlier, but it was like we should have just stayed one more day yeah. and then checked it out. But you know, once we flew back, we had to play the follow uh, and like three days later here in the states with Skid Row. So you know, and she's she's just a little younger than we are, so she she can. She can do that. <laughs> yeah, are, are you a are you a bigger fan now of the the flying weekend shows? Do you prefer that now to getting on on a bus or and going on a, a few weeks tour? I wouldn't mind getting back on a bus. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you you do your show, you get on the bus, you go to sleep, you wake up, you check into your hotel. I just kind of miss that. Okay. Um, and, and you're, you know, we're, we're out for, at that time, we were out for months and months and months. Um, I don't think we'd be doing that right now, but because of our schedules, we're just weekend warriors. But, you know, who knows that may change next year. Yeah. We yeah. get a good tour or we go out on tour, we'll get a bus. One big, happy family. Okay. Rock and roll family. Yeah. And you know what, Richie? You're invited. <laughs> I've um, I've never seen you guys live. Um, I moved here seven years ago, and I don't think you ever played in Ireland. No, we didn't. We did. We played Scotland. We played Wales. We played everywhere but there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, so we need we need to put that on our list. Yeah, it's a story of my life. All these ba- <laughs> when when I moved over here. Um, I think I went to 17 shows the first year and a lot of them were 80s bands that never played in Ireland. And I think I saw some of them like two or three times. And I just, wow. ticked, I, I just ticked them all off saying, Winger, never saw them. <laughs> never saw oh. this band. Um, never saw that band. And my wife was like, where are you going? You're not going to another show, are you? And I'm like, yeah. But <laughs> Why you, not? Yeah, you've been to all these shows, but I've never seen this band. But you saw them last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I want to see them again. I, I, I you know, I got to see them again. That means you, you really liked it, yeah. right? Did yeah. she go with you? Uh, to some of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. She's more well, of. I think uh, you'll have the you'll have the opportunity to see us. I'm sure. Yeah, she's more of um, she's more of a grunge. She grew up in the you know that 90s era, whereas I'm a few years ah. older than her. So like. My my music scene is like eighty six to ninety one, ninety two. She's like ninety two on. Okay, well that's cool. Yeah, there's crossover there, but um, yeah, she won't go near some of my stuff though. 
Well, that's sort of can give you Vixen a chance. Yeah. I don't think she'd be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk <laughs> let's talk a little bit, Roxy, about the live record. Um like I know the the, the guys in Rat Pack pretty well. So how did you end up on that label? On uh Rat Pack? Yeah. Uh actually our manager, Larry Morand, he uh put us in contact with them. he sent them a couple of us couple songs and one of them is on there. You ought to know by now. And um uh, Rat Pack actually they liked Vixen. They were fans of Vixen. Joe O'Brien, who owns a Rat Pack, he he liked the song. He was interested in working with the band, and he said, "Well, you know, let's let's uh, see how this goes. You know, just do a live record for now, and then um, we'll think about doing a studio record." And they've been very supportive. And I don't know if you've seen the um, the marketing campaign they've done, but they've done a terrific job mm-hmm. with the CD bundles and the cassette and the albums and this signings and I mean they just did a really great job and our fans are really happy with it so far yeah we've, we're, we're we're doing I mean we're really happy with them yeah we've done like we've considered them like our local label because they're only like 25 miles off the street from us oh and, cool yeah I've met I've met Joe and you know I'm in contact every so often with Tina and, and Jen and the bundles they do put on are fantastic. They've done it for nearly every release. They they bring out this T-shirts. There's like they'll get. I think Janet had to phone call people. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. She called people. There's pics. There's we we wrote off lyric sheets and sign, just signed stuff and just. I mean, I've never gotten a bundle like that before. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty crazy. It's great stuff. And all the fans are going to the social media and just saying, oh, I got my bundle. It's really exciting. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's great. They're happy with it. And that's, you know. Yeah, I think a we're lot. Happy. We're happy. They're happy. Yeah. I think a lot of people. And you know what's really cool is they love the record. Yeah, the record's really the good. bottom line is the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the record. Which we had fun recording. Yeah, you did that in... Uh... In Chicago, wasn't wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Chicago at the Car- Ar- Arcata Theater. Okay, what made and what made you pick there to do it? We played there before, and when we were talking about doing a live record, it's just the timing was right. It was late August. We were, you know, uh, it was months before that we were talking about doing a live record. We go, well, where are we playing? That sound the room sounds really good and we're comfortable. And uh, we said the Arcata. We played there a couple times, and it's a good sounding room. Um, we played with Slaughter that day, and um, they were very instrumental in, in the production side of it as far as equipment. So it just kind of all worked out. And then, of course, the maestro, Michael Wagner, the legend, he mixed it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, you know, he's just got such a good ear. Yeah, whose idea was I it? I love get... the mix. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, whose idea was it to get Michael? Uh, well, we all love Michael, but I worked with Michael uh, with Madame X. Okay. B- before then, we, we we released a record called Monstrosity, and he mixed that record along with uh, Mark Slaughter. Also mixed a couple tunes, and Kevin Sharp did. But Michael Wagner, I love working with him. And I know the band would love working with him, and he's just such a sweet guy. Um, and also, I worked with him before Madame X, another project called The After Show mm-hmm. that I do with Maxine. So that's how I started in thinking, oh, let's bring Michael Wagner back into the picture. 
Oh, and I'm forgetting uh, Lorraine Lewis. Her, she and I had a project back in 2006 called Rocktopus. Michael mixed and produced that. Okay. So I, I kind of go, you know, I have a, a bit of a history with him. And I just thought he'd be a really good fit, and the girls agreed. Yeah. Now, uh, in, in this day and age, bands are probably recording every show anyway. So w- when it came to do a live record, w- were you were you going to record every show, or did you just decide to do this one? No, we just decided to do that one. Okay. And if it, if it didn't turn out, we wouldn't have used it. But, you know, we're pretty tight because we've been playing a lot. Um, and when we heard it back, we were just like, you know, if, if there's anything that needed to be fixed, you know, we fixed a couple of things here and there. But you're basically, what you're hearing is what we played. Okay. It is, um, it is pretty raw, which I like. Yeah. And isn't that refreshing? Very. And you're just, which, it's just raw rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Now, is that the whole set that's on the CD? Pardon me? Is that the whole set that's on the CD, or was there other songs that you played that night that didn't make it? Nope, that's pretty much the whole set. Okay, okay. Is yeah, it... there's a couple on there, like um, Big Brother, mm-hmm. uh, Edge of a Broken Heart Live. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that was the whole set. Okay. that you'd like to put in the set. Actually, we're talking about that. That's so funny that you brought it up. We're thinking about adding three or four, maybe five, as a medley and doing half of the songs because we're getting requests for quite a few of the the deep tracks that you don't hear very often, like um, Heartbeat Away, Waiting. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, some, there's some tracks we, 
we have that. Yeah, we haven't played live. Desperate. So we're actually thinking about doing that. So you will be hearing some stuff that we haven't played in years. Um, but I think we've played pretty much all of them live. I don't think we ever did. Uh, no, we've played pretty much all of them live. Okay. At you, one time or another, back in the 80s. You probably had to because th- they were all the songs you had. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right, and they're all worthy of playing live. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. T- tell, me, <laughs> t- tell me about the bonus tracks that are on this. Uh, was that your idea to put the bonus material on it? Um, well, the band, yeah. Um. You Ought to Know By Now is something that we did with Jan back in the 80s. Um, That was a song. We don't know why it didn't make the record back then. I don't know why we didn't record it, but it's a really great song. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. We were trolling the internet and saw it on YouTube and we had played it and we thought, wow, that is a great song. Why don't we bring that back? And so once we started playing, it was it was just like, yeah, that's perfect. And it, we decided to put that on the record. And then Edge of a Broken Heart acoustically, I don't know who, who who came up with that idea, but maybe Larry or I don't know, the band, we talked about it, I don't know. But it ended up being another um, nice rendition of Edge. I mean, it's it's our biggest hit. I think that the fans appreciate it stripped down. It's basically Vixen stripped naked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in all its glory yeah I think when you look at a lot of the 80s stuff it, it was like over glossed anyway so I think it's nice to strip the song down because once you strip it to its core elements if there's nothing there the song's not going to stand up anyway right and you can really hear I mean Vixen the vocals in this band is yeah. pretty off the charts mm-hmm. Janet's incredible the background vocals are incredible so they, why not show that off yeah, yeah. And and one of the fan, one of our fans, when he described it, he said it's almost haunting the the vocals on this track. And I thought, yeah, yeah that's a good, you know, it's a good description because it's just there's enough different movements in this that when you listen to it, you go, wow, that's that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you got Brit in the band, um, how aware was she of of Vixen? Like, did she just know oh, the hit? She was- Nope, she was well aware of who we who we were, who we are. Um, yeah, we just heard about her through Larry, and uh, you know we watched some of her videos with the band Alejandro that she played with in, in South America, and she was also in a band called Jaded back in Boston. Uh-huh. So we knew she's a seasoned player, and when she heard we were looking for a guitarist, she, you know. We brought her down, had her play a little bit, and she turned out to be a really good fit. Excellent, excellent. And what influence does does she bring to the band now? Because she's younger. Yeah, she's she's got um, she's got some old school flavor to her, but yet she's fresh. Mm-hmm. Her playing is fresh, but not she she loves the old school rock, and we need that because. That is what Vixen is, but she brings us to the, to the now, you know, like we have one, one foot in the past, one in the future, one in the now, and then she is the, kind of our future. 
as far as her playing. She still sounds, you know, I think, I, th- I think Jan would approve. She has a little bit of Jan style, uh-huh. um, which is, which was very signature in the Vixen sound. So she, she's, she's doing a really good job kind of, you know, uh, keeping the sound of Vixen, but putting her own little touches on it. Okay. Okay. And was it, was it pretty easy to get on with her from the beginning? Like, you know, the, Oh yeah. 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 She, she's a very professional. She's really sweet. Um, very respectful. Uh, she respects who we are and the name of Vixen, the institution of Vixen. So she's, um, you know, we're very happy with her and she's very happy being in the band and we're getting along great. Excellent. All of us are getting along really good this time. You know, it's just kind of like we're, we appreciate this opportunity, the opportunity to go around again and just travel and play rock and roll. Okay. Now, all every drummer I have on, I always ask them this question and I've gotten different answers. Um, what's the worst drum related injury you've ever had? I just had one, and that is, uh, well, for me, because I've never, ever had wrist problems before, and just a couple weeks ago, before Sweden Rock, actually, so that'd be a month ago, right? Uh All of a sudden, my right wrist, I don't know if I lifted lifted something heavy or what, because I work out at the gym, but I, I tweaked it, and I don't even know what I did, but I couldn't play. It wouldn't, I couldn't play. I couldn't make a fist. I couldn't even wash my hair. And I didn't say anything. I was just hoping that it was going to go away. And we started rehearsing with Madam X. And I was only playing with one arm. And they're like, well, what's going on? It's like, I can't hold my stick with my right hand. And I thought maybe carpal tunnel. So I just kept doing what you're supposed to do, which is ice it and, you know, then heat and just rest it. So I rested it. All the way up until Sweden Rock. Okay. And I was careful when I played with Vixen because Vixen played early, and I, I could I could still kind of feel it. It kind of hurt a little bit. You know, it was it was much better. I could play, but I couldn't play nearly as hard as a normal play. It was my right hand. Luckily, my right hand because my left hand is my snare hand, which is really important. Uh-huh. So I played with Vixen, and then when I played with Madam X, I just said fuck it, and I just bashed. I had to because it's metal. Yeah. And. It snapped it back into play. <laughs> it was so weird. To say. So I, after that, I've been fine. I've been fine. But that is the scariest thing ever because you know, I need my wrist. I cannot have anything happen to your wrist. Once that happens, it's pretty. You're over. Yeah. But now that just reminded me. I did back in the early '80s with Madame X. I broke my ankle, my left ankle. It was fractured. Um, so I couldn't play double bass, which is, but I still had my right foot and I still played. We were, we were playing the clubs at that time. So I, I managed to just, you know, I was, I had crutches, but I just did it. You know, when you're 19, 20 years old, you know, nothing phases you. It's like, whatever, the show must go on. Alcohol. So I worked through it. Alcohol. <laughs> and then some. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was plenty of that going around back then, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you, do, you want, do you want me to tell you some of the answers I got for for that? What? Um, yes. Um, Mike Porn, I said he broke his wrist doing a fill. Um, <gasps> uh, Dean Castronovo 
said he was playing in the southern states. And the air was so dry, his hands swelled up and blistered, and they had to tape the sticks to his hands to play the shows. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and well, another one that comes to mind, is Jimmy DeAnda said uh, he hit the drumstick off his eye and he couldn't see out of his left eye. He thought he was blind. Oh, I've done that, but I'm not to that extent. Yeah. So that, I've hit myself many times. Yeah, that's just some of the answers I, I, I've gotten. Um, oh, yeah, it's a dangerous sport. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and drumming. Well, well you're the, you're, you're the most physical thing to do on stage, really. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I always have bruises on my knees. and my you, you come off stage and you find all these bruises on your forearms, your fingers, and you're just like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't done your job if you don't come off bruised. Yeah. Bruised or battered. True. <laughs> you're not hitting those things. Yeah. <laughs> the slam. Um, do, you pre- do you prepare any differently now to playing the drums than you did years ago? Yes, I warm up and I, my body, I, I stretch and do wrist warm up and my feet, I have to, I have to stretch where 30 years ago I didn't, I just, man, went there and I just banged it out. Now I don't do that. I actually really have to stretch and get warmed up for that. Yeah. Do you practice a lot still on the drums or do you just play? I practice. Okay. I can't, I can't go. Uh, a couple of weeks without it because I, I'll suck. Okay. <laughs> I got I to practice. So is your house... I want to. I want to be on top of my game. Yeah, yeah. Is, is your house full of drums? Oh, I got a beautiful drum set from DW. It's called Liquid Copper, and I have it in the back there, and I don't let anybody touch them. They can look at them, but they can't touch them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my house, I have two bedrooms. It's a, It's a four-bedroom house, Two of them are just full of shit, drum stuff, <laughs> just all sorts of music stuff. And then I have, the, my husband has one room for himself. <laughs> 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 the rest is all me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When I do practice, he asks me, when are you going to practice? And I said, oh, in about an hour. He goes, okay, thanks. I'm, just, he bails. I'm <laughs> he out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, are you going to make some racket today? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you play along to songs or how do you organize your practice? I'll play along to songs and I'll also um, just work out things, like uh, change it up a little bit. I want to do a different feel here. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll play along to some tunes. Okay. And then I write back there too. Okay. I'll just get in my drum room and start writing whatever. Okay. Well, what other instruments do you play? Like, do you play guitar? I play clarinet. Oh, clarinet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a good instrument to write that on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes, <laughs> I'll, sometimes I'll get a guitarist on and I'll ask him, how many guitars do you have in your house? And I feel like putting the phone down and coming back half an hour later and the guy's still talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I wish I played guitar, but I do. You know, I remember I, I learned Paranoid and that was about it. Okay. But, um, you know, I, I wrote a little bit on guitar back in when we were writing the Revit Up record, you know, back in 80, whatever it was, 89, mm-hmm. 90. And um, I had a JB player guitar, and I just, you know, I was writing Fallen Hero on that one. Just notes, like, because I'm terrible. I just 
was playing some notes and I, or I'd say, saying it to Jan, I go, this is what I'm trying to do, Jan. Can you, <laughs> can you make that work? <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't play guitar. So are you aware that the, you're obviously aware the debut album is 30 years old this year? Oh, it is? Yeah. 1988. Oh, happy anniversary to us. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, cause I've never had anyone from Vixen on before. A little bit about that record. Um, how many showcases did you do before you got signed? Oh God, I don't know, five. Okay, five or six, I think. It took a while for us to, for the record company to take a chance because, you know, back then it was still a novelty to see girls doing rock, I guess. Um, and they were they either had a, a female artist or they were just a you know they were pussies okay <laughs> uh but, but we had a manager uh we got our manager at left bank management at the time alan kovac and he basically beat up emi to sign us okay and um i think they were happy after they did but it just they were afraid to take that risk which is weird because they saw we could play yeah you know, isn't that he still had some chauvinistic issues, I guess. I don't know what the problem was. It's just like, come on, dude. We can rock. Come in, you know. And then, then there was, you know, they had to say things like, you know, I, 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 I want to sign him. And then you know, I was taking a shower the other day and I just decided, nah. <laughs> it just it was really stupid. <laughs> really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> now, when when I say showcases, now am I talking about the four of you getting up on stage in an empty room with you know no audience and just a couple of record guys standing there listening to you? Yeah, and you know they they think they have so much power. They're just standing there judging, you know. And you're trying you're you're playing and you're trying you're trying to feed off. Normally, you feed off the energy of the crowd. Well, there is no crowd. Yeah. There's five or six corporate dudes standing there watching. And then you just got to go through your set or what, however, five or six songs that you're playing, whatever. And it's just kind of uncomfortable. You know, and we were, we were still pretty new too to this whole record company stuff. Yeah. It's, so we, you know, we did the best we could. Yeah. It's not natural doing that. No, it's not natural at all. <laughs> it's not natural at all. Yeah. But, um, you know, we wanted to get a deal. We wanted to put a record out. We wanted to go on tour. And you just do what you got to do to get it done. Yeah. Were, were you told who you were playing for before you actually went, went in there? Yeah. I mean, they would say, okay, you're doing a showcase for MCA or you're doing a showcase for Arista. Remember those all those labels back then? Yeah. Yeah, they would tell us ahead of time who you're, what labels you're coming to coming to see you. And when you say a full set, are we talking like an hour? No, no, no. I I, I was just thinking back. I think you do about, I don't know, six songs maybe. You, you pull out your best. Okay. And at that stage, you were you were playing. It must have been your own material. We were playing our own material. Uh, they had Vixen had quite a few songs before I joined, which was in '85. Um, they had a demo of of songs, and we played those. And there were a couple in there that were really, really good. And I think one of them, I think, was called "Leave Me Alone," and that was one I think that the, the record companies really liked. But that, you know, it ended up not being good enough to be on the record, apparently. But 
you know, it got the job done. Yeah. So you get signed, and this. When did they tell you that they weren't going to use any of your songs? Was it straight away? No, because um, it took a while to get accumulate. You know, to 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 get all the songs together and to get who was going to produce the the record. Blah blah blah. That kind of stuff. And at that point too, we just kind of did what we were told. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's like we we figured. Okay, they know what they know. They're in the business of of records, selling records. So we will, that's what you get a manager for and the record labels to kind of guide you. Uh-huh. So we were doing songs that we were wrote, we wrote, we demoed them up and then they would bring outside writers and, and outside songs and we demoed those up and then they picked through that. Okay. And then, um, you know, like cruising was our own. There's a few on the first record that, that that's Vixen songs, but the majority were either written with somebody or outside writers, which is okay. It's okay because, you know, that record is a good record and it put the band on the map. As if a broken heart and crying were the two big hits. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and you know, edge was the last song to come to the party. Oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah. When we thought the record was finished and then, I think Alan, if I'm remembering correctly, and I remember so much time has gone by, I don't remember everything, but I think he says, we still need one song. We need that big, big song. So he was managing Richard Marks at the time, and Richard came to see us play. We were playing at MIT, I think, in LA, and he loved the band. And that, I think he that inspired him to write As Ever Broken Heart for us. Okay. So he came down to rehearsal and we put it together and that song was perfect for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he was really easy to work with too. And and he's a musician. That's why. Yeah. He just knew he made us feel good in the studio and he got a really good performance out of us. Okay. Now, what form were the songs given to you from the outside songwriters? Like, would would the would the guys who wrote the songs actually come in and and show you how to play them or had they no 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 they would give us a demo with maybe just a vocal and a guitar or they'd have uh you know a drum machine with a you know just basic song okay with the vocalist and we would take it and make it our own okay we don't it okay now the multiple producer thing and the multiple studios. That had to be that had to wreck your head because, as a drummer, you're looking probably for a big room, and you're probably now recording in multiple studios, and you're probably recording different tracks in different studios at the same time. Was it that type of recording? Yeah, it was it, so much so that I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, I don't. I just remember a couple of times, you know, just I just wanted to be great. I wanted to be great on this record. So if they said you're recording here, I would go record there. You're recording, we're moving, we're going over here, you're going over there. Yeah. Now you just, would, yeah. You you would have had different producers had a different way of of, you know, working with bands. Like I I've had Yeah. I I've had got I've had um uh Dwayne Barron, the engineer on the show. And oh. um, he told me that Spencer Proffer has a way of molding a band to his vision 
And then you've got other producers that probably have a different way of, of working. Like, which Was there any of them difficult to work for? Well, I, Spencer, I didn't get to have that experience with him. With him, it was just basically play and I'm going to record it. Okay. It was it was not like that at all. Okay. For us. I mean, as far as my experience with him, he was just kind of like, okay, go ahead, do your thing. And I, and I did. Okay. Um, his his mixes were different, and they kind of stand out as, as far as you can hear the difference between his and, let's say, uh, um, God, I forgot their names already. The producers. But yeah, you can hear. Yeah, you, you can hear the differences on the first record. Okay. Whereas on the second record, it was Randy Nicholas and Dennis McKay. Mm-hmm. It was consistent because they did the whole record. Yeah, the, 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 the that first, one. The first that's record. That's a great sounding album. Yeah, the first record's got David Cole, Rick Nair, Spencer. That's Paul. it, David Cole, Rick Nair. Yeah. Yes, they, they were fun though. Rick Nair was really fun, um, but you know they had their vision of of how it was supposed to sound. So you can hear there's a more uh, crisp and produced. Spencer was a little more raw and rock, um, and I think. Um, Richard Marks was a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> you kind of you got to look at Richard and think he probably knows what you're, you know, what you're going for because he is a musician as well. Yeah. You know, he, oh, he's, for sure. he's he's one of you guys. Like he's not he's a producer, yes, but he is also a musician. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, you know, I'd have to say that this is our experience with him was really good. Yeah. Now, did you try and record that live off the floor as a band to get a to get a basic track down, or did you record all your parts separately? Uh, pretty much separate. Except cruising, I think, was kind of one that we did, like me and the guitar. You know, I'd always play with the guitarist, and then she'd come back and uh, fix things if she needed to fix things. Okay. So yeah, I mean, some some you do live, some some you don't. It's it's different for every song. But to rev it up, the reason that one's so tight is because we had been touring for so much. So by the time we got in to do the, the record, it was just kind of like, it really came together. Yeah, yeah. Felt felt really good. Mm. Yeah, there's a couple of songs now on, on the debut album. I'm not going to talk about the singles. You, you, you probably talked to them till you're blue in the face. But um, <laughs> Waiting is probably one of my favorite songs on this album. Ah, that's one that we're considering maybe throwing in our medley. Yeah, and that's one that you you guys wrote without with no outside songwriters. That is actually one that they had before I joined the band. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they had already ha- had that song written, and yeah, I like it. It's pretty sexy. It has a nice sexy groove too, and Janet does yeah. a fantastic job singing it. Yes. So how many songs did you submit for the album? I don't know. Maybe. 10 so you had you had you had an album you had an album's worth of material written by the band on their own well they had remember they had stuff already before i joined the band so if you're talking about with me and share there's a handful okay but vixen itself had a nice an album's worth already but you know some of it was poppy when i joined the band um, it started heading more for a harder rock edge, and I think um, I helped push it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, they were just naturally 
kind of going harder rock anyway. So some of those songs that they had written before I joined just weren't weren't fitting with this lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Not that they weren't good songs because they were good songs and who knows, we might revisit them someday and uh, you know, see if we can work on them because some of them are pretty pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, d- did you ever question at all during the recording of this um you'd done the showcases, you'd played your song, your own songs. They'd signed you on the strength of that. And then all of a sudden, then they start not using any of your songs. Did you go, well, why did they sign us then? They know we can play. They know we can write. They saw us. And they want to bring in all these outside guys. Um, we didn't complain. I mean, not up to them anyway. Okay. Well, personally, uh, now, were you, were you, did that piss you off? It didn't piss me off. It's just, okay, obviously they don't think these songs are good enough, so we're going to have to write some better songs. Okay. Even though we, th- everybody thinks they write great songs. You do you think, oh my God, we got a great song, and then the record company, company will say, no, it, you don't. But, so, but and then- we were still pretty new. Uh, the lineup was still new, so we weren't about to just start putting our foot down and going, wait a minute. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, we just we just weren't there mentally. Okay, that wouldn't happen now. It's not going to happen now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you, you obviously did it for the second record, Rev It Up. Yeah, yeah, we had more say, and I think we were more in tune with who the band was and where we wanted to go, and uh, you know, we had more confidence. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, and it's better that it does come from the band because I think in the first record. Although it was a great record, we did have some people saying, you know, they should write their own songs. They just should, because that's what a band does. And we agreed. But yeah, we plan to. Yeah. Yeah. The other song- and that's what being on the road. That's what being on the road and being a band is. You get together and you just start hammering out riffs and licks and stuff until you, you know, you you got to put, put in the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other song I love on this is um, Hellraisers. Oh, I forgot about Hellraisers. Yeah, that that to me sounds it's very seventies sounding. Bad company. Yeah, well yeah, that's pretty yeah, we used to do that live. Okay. And it was pretty heavy live too. And not that long ago, a couple of years ago we were playing that song. Geez, I forgot about that one. We might have to resurrect that too. Yeah. Now yeah. Scott Matexas and Ken Doveman worked on a profit record with Spencer Proffer in eighty eight. And that this song ended up on your album. Was that was that supposed to be on the profit record? Do you know? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't know who gave it to us. Maybe Spencer did or, yeah. or Alan Kovac. I don't know. But all I know is they gave it to us and said, "You guys want to do this song?" And we listened to it. And we go, "Oh yeah, that's cool." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, again, it, it was all about the music too. We wanted to make a great record, so you know, it didn't. Do we? If it meant the band wasn't writing everything. That's okay. I'd rather write, have a great record, even if the band didn't write it, than a shitty album because we insisted on writing all the record, all the songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The bottom line is to put out great material, regardless of who writes it. But as long as it's uh, the, the the integrity of the band is there, it sounds like the band. Okay. We have to sign off on the songs, and we have to own it. If we're not comfortable with it, we won't do it. Okay. Um, Does that make sense? Oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's just that if you're on the outside looking in, like I was back then, 
I'm looking at all these songs and they're all written by someone else and you're kind of thinking, oh, okay. Um, and it was only until Rev It Up when I saw that you wrote all the songs and how good a record it was. I was like, yeah, this this band is, re- is really good. Because you, do, you don't know back then um, when you get an album like that, what ba- what 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 are the band? Because what identity do the band have? Because they're hardly writing anything on it. It's like, are they a manufactured band? Do they actually play on the record? You know, you know. I, yeah, no, I understand that. I understand that. Um, and uh, I would say, listening to that "Edge of a Broken Heart" is really the sound of this band. Yeah. Um, because that song, even though Richard Marsh wrote. You know, he came up with the riff and Fee Wavell wrote the lyrics. That song wasn't brought to us finished. That song we worked out as a band with Richard in the studio in, in the rehearsal. So we made that our own and we felt it and it was Vixen. It is Vixen. Okay. Um, who was the first band you went on tour with after the album was released? Can you remember? We did uh, Eddie Money, I think. Okay, because I I look I look it's a it's a who's who of the multi platinum acts in the late eighties. Yeah, right? you went out with yeah. the Scorpions. You went out with White Snake. You went out with oh god. Yeah, no, it was it was Eddie Money first. We did some theaters with him, and then we not we went out with the Scorpions. That was the first arena, the first arena gigs was with the Scorpions. Okay, you did your That's definitely memorable. Didn't you do your shows in England on the, on the first record? Yes, we did. Well? We did. Yeah, we did in Hammersmith. Yeah, I remember getting Kerrang and seeing all I, all these bands never came to Ireland, and they'd all go up and down England doing all these shows, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, yeah. you're, like I said, you're gonna you'll have a chance to see us now. Yeah, if you, hopefully you'll get up to the Boston area. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure your guitarist. I'm sure we will. I'm sure your guitarist will be uh, pushing for that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She has friends and family in Boston. Yeah. So, so before I leave you go, Roxy, um, new music. Are you going to write new music? Do you think there's a new album coming? There's a new album coming. Okay. Yep. We are already starting to. We got the bug on our ear, and we're just going to start tossing ideas around. And um, yeah, it's okay. going to happen. Okay. And just one more thing before. And it'll be written by the band. Oh. <laughs> no doubt, you're talented enough. No to doubt. Do. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So, so before I leave you go, um, one of the things I watched in the last couple of weeks, we didn't have VH1 in Ireland years ago, and the band's reunited thing, you did for VH1. Um, <laughs> you, you know, though, you look at all these reality shows, and you know they're heavily, heavily edited. When you look back at something like that now, is it like, oh God, does that bring back bad memories? Kind of, you know, because the way they made you guys look, how it was edited and all, and all that. Like, was it heavily edited to to make it look that well, way? When you watch it, what do you get from it? Um, there is a sense of excitement there. I, the the one thing I'm always wondering about these things, when the guy walks in with the cameras. Is that the first time it actually happens, or has he already done it, and he's trying to say, right, we're going to do this now, and you have to act surprised? No, that was the first time. We had no clue this was even going down. Okay. So so what you're seeing is genuine. Everybody was surprised. When I saw him, I recognized him because I watched that show, 
And I knew exactly what he was going to say to me. And before it even came out of his mouth, I said, yes, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, everybody was surprised. Yeah. Definitely surprised. And, but you know, there were still some hard feelings between the band members, even though we kept in touch, but you know, to get in the same room together was fantastic. Mm. It was great to be, to be with our, off the four of us together. It yeah. just felt really, really good. Yeah, and we left, you know, just happy to have done it. Yeah, I, I think sometimes... You know, sure, there's some editing. There is some editing in there that you just cringe sometimes, but, you know, that did happen. Yeah. So they really didn't twist it and make it weird or anything like that. They they did focus on a couple of uncomfortable moments, but that that's just, it was there. There was some uncomfortableness, and they showed it. Okay. I, sometimes I wonder with things like that, um, they obviously have an agenda. They want you guys to get back together and play the show. But I'm thinking, have they done the research why you're not with each other anymore? Like, you know, because um, one of you could turn around and tell them to F off, you know, with, it could be, <laughs> and then there's no show. Yeah, well, I think some bands have done that. Extreme. Like some bands have refused. Extreme, yeah. They've refused. Nuno, Nuno turned around and said no. He wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the show was 10 minutes long instead of half an hour long. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. We're glad we did it. And and once we, we started rehearsing together, it just all felt natural again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all missed each other. But, you know, as far as playing together after that, it was like the timing just wasn't right. Everybody still was doing other things. So, you know, it took a few years, but then we got back together again. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, and no, it was VH1 thing was pretty cool. Yeah, it's an no inter- regrets. It's an interest. It's an interesting sh- premise for a show. Yeah, I think if they were to do that now, they'd focus on train wrecks. That's yeah. what they want to see. I mean, no, that's all that it's about now is just how we can just make this thing so fucked up. People yeah. are going to want to watch it. Well, I think I think what they'd do is they'd want to go on the road, or you know, they'd want to spend weeks and weeks with you guys rather than just whatever time they spent with you doing doing i don't know how long did they spend with you doing doing the reunited show it was a few days just a couple of days they'd want to do more than that now they really would yeah well they'll actually have to go on the road and check it out yeah you probably wouldn't want them to do that now they'll see us sitting (laughs) drinking tea and crumpets (laughs) 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 spike tea (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 Roxy, what have you got lined up for the rest of the year? Is it just shows, shows, and more shows? Yeah, shows, shows, and more. More. In fact, I'm fly out after tomorrow. We're playing with Skid Row uh, okay. at the Hard Rock Hotel Casino in Biloxi, and then uh, the week after that, we're going to Kentucky, I believe. And we're booked pretty much until October, November, um, but. Between in between that, we're trying to we're going to make time to write a record. Okay, and can can you write on the road, or do you have to get sure. it? Sure, you can. You're you're able to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, you know, if somebody has an idea, it's like, come to my room, bring your guitar. Yeah. You know, when we have uh, extra days, uh, sometimes if you just fly in and then fly out the next day, you don't really have that time. So a lot of this is done over the emailing and sending tracks that way yeah there was um 
there's a guy in a band, they're a New Zealand band, a young band called Like a Storm, and they've just released their second record. And I'm talking to the singer, and he's telling me about all these ideas that they had at airports just before they were getting on planes. And and I said that, uh, why didn't you put all the the airlines in the writing credits for the songs? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if the airlines. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, it. Some, credit. Because some bands can write on the road, and others just can't. It's like they just can't set. They have to have it separated. They just can't do it. Yeah. Well, everybody has different writing procedures. You know, I like to sit. I, I'll sit on my computer and just. That's how I write lyrics, and I just sit there and I agonize over every line. But I have to be by myself. If I'm sitting there with a group of people, I just like my brain goes dead. I don't know why. It's really weird. It's like I have to be by myself looking at my computer or at a blank sheet of paper. Okay. But if there's people around me, I can't do it. I just go blank. Okay. It's a strange thing. Are you pretty prolific when it comes to writing? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess. I'm, I'm pretty good. Okay. You've got to read the lyrics and tell me what you think. I mean, a lot of lyrics I wrote in, on the Man X Monstrosity record. Um, so I do okay. I mean, Lem, Lemmy, Kilmister is my... I, I love the way he wrote lyrics, and I like to read his lyrics, and it inspires me. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, I can get pretty raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do, dial it back for Vixen. <laughs> <laughs> One final question before I leave you go. How many people ask you you're related to John Petrucci? Seriously. Somebody just asked me that today. I oh. just answered him on Messenger. They said, any relation to John Petrucci? <laughs> like, it's like, not that I know of. We're Italian. But oh, God. <laughs> the guy is talented, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So He you, could be a distant cousin. Who knows? Yeah, so, so a lot of people ask you that. Uh, almost every day. Same with Maxine. You get somebody asking, you're related to John Petrucci. I wonder, does he get asked, is he related to ye? He, well, he, I never even asked him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if I ever get to interview him, I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah, and let me know what he says. I will. I'll get on to Joe, and Joe can tell you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Roxy, cool. well, I'll, right. I'll leave you go. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, very nice to talk to you, Richie. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we meet, meet in person sometime soon. Yep, I will and see. you can actually see Vixen live. I will tick that box off as well then. All right, right on. All right. Thanks ha- again. No problem. Have a good rest of the night. You too. All right, bye. Bye-bye. There you go, Richie's chat with Roxy, all about the brand new Rat Pack Records release, Vixen Live Fire. So before we get out of here, I figure I would play you one more sample track off of the album. And at one point in the album, bassist uh, Cher Ross goes up and does a little bit of vocalizing. And it's a killer, killer track she decides to do. And it's actually a great cover of the uh, Humble Pie anthem, I Don't Need No Doctor. And just listening to this one and listening to her voice, just she did just a kick-ass job. So I thought I'd play you a little bit of Vixen covering the Humble Pie classic anthem with Cher Ross on vocals called I Don't Need No Doctor.
There you go. Gotta love that song. You know, I remember years back, we wanted to do this band concept where it was like a, a thousand and one of your uh, favorites that you've forgotten about. And that's kind of one of those songs, too, that fits right in there that you put that in your set. People are like, oh, crap, I forgot all about that song. And so, yeah, again, killer version of that song off of Vixen Live Fire. Brand new release off of Rat Pack Records. And, of course, you can get that at Rat Pack Records. Head up to Rat Pack Records America. Visit Joe and the gang and uh, hook yourself up with a great bundle to go along with a great live album. What kind of bundles, I just heard you ask? Well, uh, they have the uh, hand autographed deluxe CD bundle. So you get the uh, the CD. It's all autographed with a slipcase over it, as well as getting a Vixen guitar pick and a uh, a four-inch vinyl sticker. If you are into vinyl, they have the limited print white vinyl bundle, which includes a, uh, a very cool white vinyl version of the Live Fire release, as well as a seven-inch white vinyl single. You get a little download card. You get a 12 by 12 picture insert, satin VIP badge, and a Vixen sticker. And, of course, they have the ubiquitous... Uh, CD and T-shirt bundle. They also have uh, live fire available on cassette, if you can believe that. And if you're into MP3s, you can also get the uh, the MP3 version of that as well. And also, if you want to find out what is going on with the band, tour dates, all that kind of good stuff, and hook into any other kind of ancillary merch they may have, you can go to Vixen official.com so that is it for this week i think that uh, what is up for next week if schedule all holds is that uh, be having a chat with brian howe hopefully at least some of you guys out there remember brian howe of course uh, best known as a singer with bad company from about 86 to uh, to 93 and uh, you know he was on fame and fortune album dangerous age holy water here comes trouble great great singer he was also with uh with Ted Nugent for the 1984 Penetrator album. And he also has a solo band that he is out and about with. And uh, those guys are uh, touring around uh, Europe and other places. They put out a, a release called Hot Tin Roof recently. So if all of the scheduling works out, then I think that is what is on tap for next week is a great chat with singer Brian Howe. But uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.